Chapter Twelve of Meg of Mystery Mountain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Meg of Mystery Mountain by Grace May North. Chapter Twelve, The Abbott Cabin. It was quite evident that the picturesque log cabin which nestled against the side of the mountain on a wide, overhanging ledge was indeed their own. The road curved about twenty feet below it, and crude steps had been hewn out of the rocks. The small boy tumbled out of the stage almost before it came to a standstill. "'Oh, Julie, look it, will you? We've got a real stairway leading right up to our front door. I'll beat you to the cabin!' Julie, equally excited, scurried up after her brother, and reached the top almost as soon as he did. Then they turned and shouted joyfully to the two below them, "'Jane! Dan! Look at us! We're top of the world!' "'Oh, boy!' Gerald capered about, unable to stand still. "'I'm glad I came. I bet you, Julie, we'll have a million adventures, maybe more.' But Dan was calling, so they scampered back down the rocky flight of stairs. The older lad laughed at their enthusiasm. "'I know just how you feel,' he told them. "'If I weren't afraid of shocking your sedate sister here, I believe I would. Well, I don't know just what I would do.' "'Stand on your head,' Gerald prompted. "'Do it, Dan. I'll dare you.' but the older boy was needed just then to tell the surly driver where the trunks were to be put. "'Let me help you, Mr. Wallace,' Dan made an attempt to take one end of the trunk, but the husky man with the unchangeable countenance merely grunted his descent, and swinging a trunk on his broad shoulders, he began the ascent of the steep stone stairs quite as though it were not a Herculean task. Dan followed. "'Just leave them on the porch until we get our bearings,' he directed. "'We can move them in after we have unpacked.' Then, from the loose change he had in his pocket, he paid the man. A few moments later the stage rumbled on its way up the road, which circled the mountain, and then descended to a hamlet on the valley on the other side. As soon as the four young abbots were alone, Dan, slipping an arm about Jane, exclaimed, "'Think of it, sister. Isn't it almost beyond comprehension that we have such magnificence right in our front door-yard?' He took a long breath. The pine-trees, though not large, were spicily fragrant. Then, whirling towards her, he caught both of her hands, and there were actually tears in his eyes, as he said, "'Jane, I'm going to live. I know that I am.' Selfish as the girl was, she could not but respond to her brother's enthusiasm. The younger children had raced away on a tour of discovery. Their excited voices were heard exclaiming about everything they had discovered beyond the cabin. Clear and high, Jerry's voice rang out, "'Dan, Jane, come quick! we found Roaring Creek, and it isn't making a terrible lot of noise at all!' But the older boy had noted the extreme weariness on his sister's face, and he knew well that she had sacrificed herself to come to a country which did not appeal to her, where she had to meet people whom she considered far beneath her, and she had done it all to help him get well. Instantly the boy decided that he would make Jane's comfort his first care, and that her stay with him might be as pleasant as possible, and so he called back, "'After a time, Gerald. Come on, I'm going to unlock the door. Don't you want to see what's inside of our cabin?' "'Oh, boy! Don't I, though!' Jerry, closely followed by Julie, raced back to the wide front porch, which was made of logs. Dan took from his satchel a very large key, and, holding it up, he called merrily, "'The key to health and happiness!' "'You left something out,' Jerry prompted. "'It's health, wealth, and happiness. Maybe we'll find that lost mine. Who knows?' Dan merely laughed at that. "'Now,' he said, as he put the key in the lock, "'what do you suppose we'll find on the other side of this door?' What they saw delighted the hearts of three of the young people. A large log cabin room with a long window on either side of the door, 
at the back was a crude fireplace made of rocks there was no window on that side of the room as a wall of the mountain came so close to the cabin that there would have been no view the rafters were logs with bark still on and the furniture had been made of saplings there were leather cushions on the chairs but the thing that made gerald caper about mad with joy was a bearskin on one of the walls oh look it will you dan what kind of a bear is this do you think it's a grizzly and do you suppose it's one dad said came right down here to our ledge do you dan the older boy looked at the rather small bearskin and shook his head no it isn't a grizzly he said i think it's the skin of a black bear but here's another one on the floor in front of the fireplace that's dad's bear i remember now this old fellow was a grizzly who was unfortunate enough to come down here and try to help himself to dad's supplies jane had dropped wearily into a big chair that really was comfortable with its leather-covered cushions and dan noting how tired she was exclaimed jane i'll unlock the packing trunk and get out some of the bedding and if you wish you may lay down for a while dad said there were two good beds here and several cots gerald and julie had started through the door at one side and reappearing they beckoned to their big brother we found one of em the young lad announced it's a dandy room i bet you jane will choose it for hers then julie chimed in with jane please come and see it the older girl who was feeling terribly sorry for herself rose languidly and went with the small sister the boys followed why what a nice room this is dan truly pleased remarked then anxiously and in his voice there was a note that was almost imploring he asked jane dear don't you think you can be comfortable in here the girl's heart was touched by the tone more than the words and she turned away that she might not show how near how very near she had been to crying out her unhappiness it was hardship to her to be in a log cabin where there was none of the luxuries and conveniences to which she had been used she smiled at her brother but he saw her lips tremble he was tempted to tell her to go back to civilization since it was all going to be so hard for her but something prompted him to wait one week inwardly he resolved if jane is not happy here by one week from to-day i am going to insist that she return to newport and to the friend mary for whom she cares so much but jane too had been making a resolve and so when she spoke her voice sounded more cheerful it's a nice room she said that wide window has a wonderful view of the mountains and the valley it was hard to keep from adding if any one cares for such a view which i do not but instead she looked up at the rafters what are those great bundles that are hanging up there she inquired dan laughed why those bundles dad said contain the mattress and bedding which he and mother stored away they are wrapped in canvas and so we expected that we would find them in good condition but how are we to get them julie wanted to know gerald's quick eyes found the answer to that look it he cried pointing there's a ladder nailed right against the back wall i'll skin up that in two jiffs give me a life dan i'll cut the ropes the boy was soon sliding along a rafter out of the way down below there he shouted the warning here they come there was a soft thud followed by another as the two great bundles fell to the floor an excellent mattress was in one of them and clean warm blankets in the other now i'll get the sheets from the packing trunk and a pillow-case and in less than no time at all we'll have a fine bed in our lady's chamber dan led jane to another large comfortable though rustic chair as he said the rest of us are going to pretend that you are a princess to-day and we are going to wait upon you by to-morrow when you have had a long sleep perhaps you will want to be a mountain girl again there was the yearning tone in his voice how he hoped that jane would want to stay but a week would tell 
Jane was quite willing to pretend that she was a princess and be waited upon, and so half an hour later, when the bed in her room was made, she consented to lie down, to try to make up the many hours of sleep that she had lost on the train. Hardly had her head touched the pillow before she was sound asleep. Two of her windows that swung inward were wide open, and a soft mountain breeze wafted to her the scent of the pines. Even though she was not conscious of it, the peace of the mountains was quieting her restless soul. She had supposed that, as soon as she were alone, she would sob out her unhappiness. But her weariness had been too great, and not a tear had been shed. Julie reported that Jane had gone right to sleep, and Dan's face brightened. Surely his sister pal would feel better when she awakened, and how could she help loving it all, so high up on their wonderful mountain? The younger children had gone on another trip of exploration, and soon burst back into the big living room with information that on the other side of the cabin there were two smaller bedrooms and a real kitchen. Dan held up a warning hand and framed the word quiet with his lips, and so the excited children took his hands and dragged him from the deep easy chair where he had sought to rest for a moment, and showed him what lay behind the two doors on the other side of the cabin. "'Aren't these little bedrooms the cunningest?' Julie whispered. See, the front one has a bed in it, like Jane's, and the other has a cot. But there are three of us, so what shall we do? Julie's brown eyes were suddenly serious and inquiring. That's easy, Dan told her. Dad said there were several cots. See, there are. Hanging up on the rafters. I shall take one of those and put it on the wide front porch. That's where I want to sleep. I don't want to be shut in by walls. And Julie may have this pretty front room with the bed, and Gerald the other. Now, let's get them made up just as quietly as we can. Then we'll unpack the supplies that you got from the store, Julie, and prepare a noon meal. The cots were untied from the rafters, and one was placed in the porch in the position chosen by Dan. Then the bedding was put on all of them, and, as it was one o'clock, and the sun was riding hot and high above the mountain, when Julie, suddenly becoming demure, announced that she wanted Dan to go to sleep also, and that she and Gerald would get the lunch. The older boy did not require much urging, and when he saw the eager light in the eyes of the little girl who had in the beginning supposed that she alone was to be the one to take care of him, he decided to do as she wished. Julie had had six months' training with her grandmother, who believed that a girl could not begin too young to learn how to cook, and she often boasted that she had a very apt pupil. He soon heard the children whispering and laughing happily at the back of the cabin. Then a door was closed softly, and the lad only heard the sowing of the pine trees so close to the porch, and the humming of the wind insects far and near. Then he, too, fell into a much-needed slumber. End of chapter 12